This is Trades, Tools, and Talks, a podcast powered by Simpro. I'm Carly Huckles. In this episode, we're talking to Schaffer Beacon Mechanical. They are Simpro users who are really active in their community and trade education. Let's dig in. Hey, David, how are you? Hey, good. Hey, Carly, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I love that big wall that you have. guys have there. That's fun. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, his new, that's his new office. Isn't it nice? It's beautiful. You got the orange. Orange is like a, what is that? An energizing color. You guys have a good orange in your logo. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are able to pop on and talk today. I would love to just jump in and we'll start with you, David. Yeah. So we are Jaffer Beacon Mechanical. My name is David Herblicka. My role is president of the company. We do full mechanical services. So that means heating, cooling, and plumbing. And we do that for residential customers as well as commercial customers, roughly half and half. And it spans the spectrum of service and installation work. So we do all of the above. My name is Brent Davenport, I'm the vice president. In essence, the roles are, you know, Brent is responsible really for virtually everything that's going on in the field. And then I'm responsible on the business side, responsible for all the things going on in the business. Perfect. You guys, you are the two halves that make a whole. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so what is your employee size now and where are you located? We are located in two locations, Bristol, Connecticut and Granby, Connecticut. And our employee, total employees, I think right now is around 50. 50? Where was it when you first started with Simpro? We were at around 12 12 and you've grown how much and how much time that was 2017 2017 that's not a long yeah. time for that much growth yeah it was that growth was primarily fueled by an acquisition that we did okay that's awesome yeah, Congratulations. yeah. and simpro was a big part of that we'd already implemented simpro before the acquisition but our ability to integrate quickly with the acquisition was fueled by Simpro. That's awesome. It, it, to get yeah, everybody on the same page at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely took some doing, but it would have been a lot longer if we didn't already have Simpro working for us. So, okay. you know, the ability to bring data into Simpro is very, it's very easy to do that. The hard part is the, is just the change to for people to to adapt to. That's the harder part, really. The easier part is the technology. I mean, I feel like adaption, technology adaption, no matter what field you're in, it's if you're trying to learn something new, there's always going to be people, people who don't want to do it because there's ways that you've always done it. And yeah, yeah. picking that up is always difficult. Like right now with the AI evolution that's happening too, with a lot of different things I'm seeing across the board, whether it's, you know, I'm in marketing, I was broadcast for a really long time. I did public radio for the majority of my career. Now I'm in Simpro. And yeah. even there, like from those transitions and seeing my uncles with their trade businesses, all the things that they've gone through in the last like five to 10 years, it's been huge jumps yeah. in different industries. It's crazy. But you always have the people who are going to have a little bit of a harder time adapting it. And that's just the way it goes, right? Yeah. When we first got started in the, when we very first, the very first implementation of Simpro, when we went from analog to digital. We had our average age in the company was probably 63 or something like that. 
and most of the guys were carrying flip phones. <laughs> so, yeah, they were working with paperwork orders and flip phones. So that transformation was quite something. I bought the company in 2016. And like I said, when I first stepped in the door, it was, it was almost like you were stepping back in time 130 years because yeah, it was all paper-based. <clears throat> there was nothing digital about it. They did have a system that was, you know, a blue screen DOS based system that printed out on a dot matrix printer, all the work orders. And, you know, there were triplicates that when they, when it printed out on the, you know, paper, there was a copy that had to stay in the shop and, you know, everybody recorded their time on a time card and the billable time went on the work order. And then we'd have to reconcile all of that. It was really time consuming and archaic, literally like being back in the Flintstones. And then when we, after we got Simpro up and running, it was like making a leap to be in the, in, you know, in the part of the Jetsons. Yeah, there you uh, go. It was, it was that, it was that scale of a transformation. And I think for the most part, it was pretty well embraced. But I like to think about it as, you know, we're in the spectrum of education, you know, we started out in grade school and we've, we're, we've finished high school at this point, you know, it's been long enough now that we've are using enough of Simpro to sort of be in at the collegiate level and, and hopefully, you know, in the next 12 to 24 months, we'll be close to graduating. There you uh, go. You have your high school diploma and you're in college. Yeah, that's exactly what we've done, you know? And uh, so with the acquisition, it really kind of forced our hand to step up our game and finish high school and get on to using particularly the material side of it, which we're deep in the weeds of now and getting that to the point where it's we're going to start working for us more. So yeah, it's, it, you, the night, one of the nice things about it is you can kind of bite off as much as you want to chew. Absolutely. So where are you guys at now with the amount of our tech that you use? What products are you in the most? Enterprise, of course, for the office and then the Simpro mobile. Okay. Is, those are the, really the backbone of what we do. Cool. I do have to say it too, because I'm marketing. We are changing the name of enterprise that it's going to be more known as premium now. So Simpro mobile, how, what's your experience with Simpro mobile? Initially we were Simpro connect mm. and then that evolved into Simpro mobile. And Simpro Mobile now has the ability to have different levels of permissions. So you can grant different levels of user rights to the field. It's a key part of the equation because we take the, you know, the data, obviously we're taking payment on all of our service calls for residential customers directly through the app with, oh, and the third party app that we use there is Square. Um, and that, that works really well, but so then the other side of that is for payroll. So all of the time that's recorded for any technician is we extract that data and use that to, to run our payroll. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So a couple other Simpro questions before I want to ask you about what you guys do with your community. So. It's been a while since implementation. You guys have already talked about the, you know, you're in your college years of Simpro usage. Can you, do you have any metrics that you can share Have how Simpro has changed your business? Do you have any numbers? I can't give you a before and after because we didn't really have a, a baseline to work with, but I generally, I, at a macro level, we're looking at 
every, we measure our business based on our net income. And we, so the short answer to your question is that's the KPI for us is our net income. And the reason that Simpro has transformed this company is because it enables us to measure net income at the job level. And so it, it enables us to be more competitive that way, because if we want to, if we want to, let's just say measure any, any particular job, we're all focused on the same metric. And that really helps us keep that focus. I, of course, you, anybody can say that, and, but actually implementing that are two different things. And so if I were, if at a macro level, I can look at, you know, where we are now versus where we were when we bought the company and our ability to manage our profitability is just orders of magnitude different than it was then. Because when we quote a job, we can have a pretty good idea how we're going to shake out. And so it, it does change the game for us dramatically. Awesome. I love yeah. to hear it. So you've already answered the majority of my questions. I don't even need to ask them. You're prepared. Do you have any pearls of wisdom for people going through implementation right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest learning for me was, you know, I went into it thinking that we could take all the historical data or wanting, I should say, our, my, my desire was to make sure we were able to bring over historical data from our legacy system into Simpro. And I guess the wisdom I learned was that it, we really didn't need it because we could retain access to our legacy system and get some historical data. Well, we could get all the historical data we needed as we needed it rather than, you know, the luxury would be actually to have that, but it's, it really is a luxury because it's not worth the trouble. If you had asked me before we implemented would it be worth a trial? I would say, of course it would be because we need that information. But the reality is we didn't need nearly as much historical information as I thought we would need. And it took, you know, probably the small amount of historical information that we did need was probably, we, after 12 months, we were able to draw out what we did need. It was not, like I said, it was not a huge amount of historical information. The information that was really needed from the legacy systems were things like, you know, just basic customer info, customer name, address, phone number, uh, supplier, name, address, phone number, email addresses, vital. If you have them, you've got to be able to bring that over. So those are the basic things that you need to get started you know employee information is important but it's not as that it's not as big of a database so so that's not required you know it's something that can be created within simpro so really all you need is a customer database and you're off to the races and then you can create jobs and dispatch jobs and get rolling and just getting off the ground getting a foothold was is the biggest step and then as you need historical information you can always go get it or invest a little bit of time to to you know like for us an example of that would be when we go out to do a preventive maintenance and we need to know 
filter size or you know what size nozzle they have on a boiler yes it, ideally you have that when you roll out it's not the end of the world if you don't and that's the kind of information you can get you know as you need it from your your legacy system directly so that's the kind of you know stuff that you if you have it you can bring it in of course if you can get it out of your legacy system so for us we couldn't get it out of our legacy system to in an importable fashion but if you can then of course you can import it in, into simpro so but that would be my nuggets of learning on the data side on the people side you know, like I said, that's probably where the more challenging aspect is that most people, I probably underestimated. I'm going to, I guess I'm projecting my own weakness on others, but that is the thing that you definitely don't want to underestimate in any kind of implementation like this. The, the need for people to be bought in to the change, no matter what level they're at, that you really need people to be on board with the need for change. And once once you have that recognition that things need to change, then you know the adaptation to the change is a lot easier. Absolutely. Brent, do you have anything to add to that? Because he was saying before you hopped on that he's the one who breaks Simpro and you're the one who's the expert. <laughs> That's pretty close to, to your accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Very close to accurate. Uh, I think the only thing that I wanted to add is from my point of view is from somebody that was out in the field for most of my career and I was all paper-based to come in and see what David has already done, you know, with Schaffer, because I came in later than he did and to see everything that was implemented and to learn the new system, it's pretty cool, you know, to go from creating a customer to looking at a job, to creating a quote, going from the quote to you know, the job and then scheduling the guys and then seeing the lifetime, you know, there's a lot of times our guys will call me and say, Hey, can you look at the pictures? And we're quoting jobs without me even going to look at it. I was working on one this morning. So to have that real time is it's really awesome. I think it, you know, gives us the step ahead of a lot of our competitors. They use other programs. I've looked into it when I had my own company, never really did anything. And I just think, Kudos to David, and I'm not saying that just because he's my business partner. I'm saying it because I mean it. Is that kudos to him because he's a, he's a one smart guy, and I learn a lot from him. So I'll give you that five dollar bill later. <laughs> oh, dude, that was like worth fifty, not five. <laughs> okay. It's really cool to hear the experience of people in the field because, like Simpro Mobile, it seems changes businesses' game entirely. It is. It's been a game changer for us. You know, it's it enables us to move so much quicker. And as a result, we can scale and have scaled quite dramatically. So it's it, it really is a great tool for us. It's we you know, it's the backbone of our business. So it's it's a great tool. What would each of you say your favorite feature is in Simpro? If you had to pick one. I'll go first. So my, I would say it's the flexibility. There's not just one way to get to the same end result. That's one form of flexibility. Another form is we have a membership program. So we have a club that our customers join and with that come a lot of different benefits. 
and there are a lot of different variations of that membership depending on the equipment that our customers have and so that isn't something necessarily that simpro has designed into their system into your system but the system is flexible enough to accommodate that for us which is kind of cool so that's really awesome the fact we can have one customer with hundreds of sites and another customer with only one site and it the system works equally well for us we can have you know quotes that are a few thousand dollars and quotes that are over a million dollars those the system can handle you know equally as well and and then to manage those jobs efficiently in both sizes in the full spectrum is exactly what we needed you know because you know on one hand you can do service with it on the other hand you can quote major projects and manage major projects so that that's something that we feel like it was vital for, for us to have that flexibility. Absolutely. Brent, if you had to pick one favorite thing with utilizing SimPro, what is your favorite feature? One is I like the quoting feature. You know, we have our catalog and it's a lot easier to quote. You know, I'll go and reach out. I was doing one today and, you know, just to confirm our pricing because it's not SimPro's issue, it's our supply chain, you know, and if prices have gone up. But to have the template and pull it in, and to give you that foundation to build off because you have to tweak it here and there because not every job is exactly the same. Um, so I like that fact because I've quoted, even though I've never done it, right, David? That's true. Yeah, never installed, never serviced, nothing. <laughs> so I think from that point of view, it's a lot easier than the old days, you know, the pen and paper and all that stuff. So I love that aspect of it. And the other aspect I love of it is just being not necessarily – having to call every single tech or, you know, to go see every single job, because if our guys are doing it right, they're pulling pictures in model serial and we're actually able to see every job, the way it lands, you know, and I think that was huge. And David, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we had bought beacon, I think it was hard for them to tell where their true numbers were, you know, and it was a lot easier for us because we, once we implemented SimPro or integrated, I said it, David, I said it, <laughs> Once we integrated, you know, to see the bottom number and see how well the company's doing. And, you know, if we made mistakes, where do we make them? And SimPro is key for that right now. That's awesome. It's so fun to hear this because, you know, it's, you guys are in it. You're in it every day. And I just get to help you tell your story. So speaking of stories, I think that's enough about SimPro. I want to hear more about you guys, you, what you do in the community. Because when we talked, David, you said that you guys were involved in the community and trade education. And I'd love to hear how you got started in being advocates for trade education, how you got started in being more involved in the community and more about who you guys are and what you love to do. Sure. Well, I'll, for we can cover both. Why don't we start with trade education, Brent? You want to touch on how we're involved in that? So I've been doing, I've been in the industry my whole life and I was teaching at the trade schools for the state of Connecticut. And uh, that's how David and I met. He was looking for apprentices and the Schaffer company was in our backyard and I wanted to build that relationship. And I made a lot of connections when I was there and I take a lot of pride in it and passionate about it. 
So David and I met and then I ended up coming on two years later and I, I stayed with it. You know, I still have a lot of connect. I'm not as close to it as I was, but we're firm believers of the education side of it with the tech schools in Connecticut. I mean, there's, you know, every state's different. You know, we have apprentices and working with those apprentices to build them up, making sure that they're on the apprenticeship program, making sure they get the classes done, and then making sure that they finish off their apprenticeship so they can test for their license. And it's very rewarding to see guys pass and, you know, they're happy about it and proud of themselves. And to know that we had something to, you know, help them do with that is, it's cool. Okay. I know everybody has them too. What's your favorite apprentice story? Mine? Yeah. I don't know if I can say it on the air. <laughs> well, pick one that's safe to share. <laughs> oh, God. I'd have to say it was probably my own. When I was an apprentice, there was a gentleman I worked for, and he I was carrying 12-inch black iron pipe all summer long, and there was a direct burial line, 400,000, over 400,000 volts, and he was yelling at me saying i gotta cut it and i didn't know what to do and i went and i cut it and it was dead the wire was completely dead but he you know he set me up and it was fun and games and you know i obviously i knew he wouldn't probably put me in harm's way but i didn't know any different i was 17 years old what do i know and i mean there's a lot of other stories but i think that was one of my favorite ones and i still have i still talk to the guy to this day i still have a relationship with him and i have a lot of respect for him and he's helped me a long way through my career and i don't i think Everything he did for me helped me build to where I am today. So I appreciate him. Is that who taught you how to carry a bucket of steam? <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> a bucket of steam. Yeah, we got a couple of good ones. There's two that I could tell you from school is we used to mess with some kids and tell them to go get a bucket of steam and we'd send them around from shop to shop and they were looking for it. And one kid actually put a bucket down to a floor, one of those air dryers for the floor and thought it was a steam machine. So that was pretty funny. And then another one was the kids were spray painting and I told them to go outside and shake the can until the marble stops. So. Oh no. <laughs> David, do you have any favorites? That's my favorite, the bucket of steam. Bucket of steam? Nice. David, what about the one when you were the apprentice? <laughs> Which one? There's so many. Uh, going through the, uh, the little scuttle hole. Oh, that's right. That was a so, good one. So we had a situation where we were trying to get into a tight crawl space. And we were we had to get in there because we were coring through this really thick wall. And the access hole was as after Brent took the tape measure out and measured the size of the hole and put the tape measure up to himself, volunteered his nearest apprentice, which was me, to, to squeak through that hole and get in there and, and do what needed to be done. So that was a good one. After lathering myself up in lubricant and squeezing through the hole, it worked out pretty good. Tell me about a dirty job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So you yeah. guys have an apprenticeship program now. Yep. How many kids do you got going through that? Brian, you want to take that one? 
Yeah, we got seven apprentices right now. And how long have you guys so, been doing the apprenticeship program? Well, David's been doing it since he took over. And the Schaffer company was doing it prior to that. So it's pretty important because what happens here in the state of Connecticut is if people, there's two parts to it. There's the related instruction, which is the classroom. And then there's the on-the-job hours, which is working with the contractor. And a lot of these guys, because I ran the night school program as well as teach during the day, these guys get in the gray area. And a lot of the, I've seen it time and time again, I actually happened to myself, is a lot of these contractors will say, yeah, I'll get you on, I'll get you on, I'll get you on. And it's kind of empty promises. And then they're two years down the road and their hours, you know, they're not signed up and their hours aren't counting. So what did you just do? To that you know to that apprentice you know you just delayed him because he was hired help and then the other thing is if he's not getting licensed that means his pay is not going to go up either so they kind of hold him hostage a little bit and i disagree with it a thousand percent you know david and i are firm believers in it and we want people to grow with the company that's amazing to see so do you have anything that you do in the community as well are you guys involved in your community david yeah, we take that very seriously. We feel like every business should be involved in its own community to help further the community in whatever way you can. So for us, there are several ways, you know, we do that. I, I suppose at the smallest scale, we contribute, you know, for, call, you know, whatever, when we get calls, we try and budget enough money every year to contribute to whatever is going on in our community, whichever charitable organization is looking for some help and then uh, as far as our time goes we try and contribute our time strategically so that you know we get the community can get the most out of our time so so both brent and i do volunteer our time to help as much as we can for me that's i'm on the board of directors at our boys and girls club in bristol and so i i'm you know, a couple of committees there and we sponsor the, the golf event every year in a big way. And, and then I try and help, you know, with, you know, making sure that, you know, as far as the committees that I'm on with the club that, you know, we're making a meaningful contribution there. And Brent, you want to talk about your time, how you contribute your time? Sure. I was the play of the little league president for baseball and softball for I just got off the board this year. I'm also on Parks and Rec in my town, which oversees the local parks. And then I help out with our CHEC, which is a Connecticut Heating and Cooling Contractors Association. I was more close-knit with that, but there's a little bit of a falling out, but I'm still part of it. And then the other one I'm on is the Main Street Community Foundation, which is part of six communities I just got put on as a director for the next three years, and we give out close to $400,000 a year in grants and scholarships. So it's pretty rewarding to help these programs and students and around the community. And I was a past member of the Board of, Ed Board of Education as well. So You guys are out there and involved. So, okay. I would really like to know, you know, trade work is important. Everybody knows that. How would you encourage people, how would you encourage kids or adults looking to change careers to get involved in to the trades? Well, 
from my perspective, I think you, you have to realize as, first of all, as an individual, as a student, you need to kind of recognize what you love to do. And some people love being outside, love working with their hands and using the, their hands to, to mechanically solve, like for us in, in our trade, use their hands to solve mechanical problems and install things and fix things and, you know, analyze the root cause of particular situation and, and then creatively come up with a solution for that. You know, that's the characteristic of, I think, the skills that, you know, if you were at that stage in school, you would need to, you know, because there's a lot of pressure right now to go to college. There, and that's been true since the, you know, the, our economy transformed into more of a service-based economy 30 years ago. Uh, and so that, that pressure starts with your parents. They feel that pressure because they want to, you know, to their children to succeed and, and be competitive and, so, and all of that, which is great, you know, and some, for some kids, that's the right path. And for others, it may not be. And because we have a lot of kids that, that we see that are coming through as apprentices who tried college. They went through one or two years of college, spent a lot of money, and then realized that wasn't for them. So I would say the first step is to overcome that pressure and recognize what you want to do and then do what you want to do, whether it's going to college or working with your hands, you know, and, and that's, I think, and, you know, the, the pay scale, <clears throat> you know, we did a, a radio show a few years back where we were talking about this and, and the money that you can make coming out of college versus being in trades is not that different nowadays. You can make some very good money working with your hands. And so if your goal is to make a good living, you can do that both ways. And the misperception I think is that going to college is somehow superior in, in many different ways. And it's really, at least financially, it's not, you know, I think socially some people have, you know, a stigma that they put on that. Like I said, thanks to the transformation that we had in our economy to a certain more service-based economy years ago, but that's starting to swing back the other way. And we're bringing more manufacturing and more trade-based our trade-based economy is turning the corner and we're, and I think COVID had a lot to do with that and the need to be more self-sufficient and not, and have more options in the global supply chain. So that's all helping to turn and rebalance, I think the economy. But if I were, if, you know, we talk to our apprentices all the time, but if I were talking to somebody in high school, when they're at that stage where they're thinking about things, you know, I think you just have to look you have to you know, have a conversation with your parents and come to terms with what you really are good at and what you like to do. And if you are mechanically inclined and you like working with your hands and like solving problems like that, and then I think that's the, the to answer your question, I think that's a, lot, a very long-winded way to answer your question. I'm sorry, but I think that's really the path that you would have to take as an individual to really kind of come to the conclusion. I think sometimes people need to realize that for themselves too. Um, so if you had any advice or words of encouragement for people looking to join the trades, what would it be? So I think exposure, 
and I'm involved. The superintendent of our local school district had asked, or actually assistant asked, had asked me to be on a committee. And David actually went with me to a couple times to college and career day. And what they did is they pulled the high school kids to see what they wanted to do. And then they had professionals come in and talk to them. Having a son that's in high school and having a daughter that's in middle school and knowing how the trade schools work, I think we need to get that information down to the middle school level. Because if they, I know they're young and I know it's hard for them to make a decision, but if they can at least have some sort of direction and then they, and exposure, then they can decide to go to trade school and they're not, you know, they're coming into it early, especially with the way the labor force is today. So I think it's getting down to the schools and the guidance counselors. I know when I was in school, guidance counselors always pushed college. I know we need the college bound people, but we also need the trade people. And I think like to reiterate what David said, you know, if kids are, you know, willing to be outside and willing to, you know, have that mechanical mind that does help them, but I think they need to be exposed too. And maybe they don't know they have it yet, you know, until they have the chance to do it. You know, I have my two kids and they have every tool that known to man because they're like their father (laughs) and who's to say they're even going to go in our industry. And I would never force that upon them. You know, I have to support them the way they, what they want to do. So I think it's getting down into the school level. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you guys for your time today. And if there's any questions that I haven't asked that you just want to get off your chest, I'd love to give you the floor. So I know in in Connecticut, the trade schools were known as the dumping ground. The kids that weren't in high school couldn't make it in public schools or or we're going to send them to trade school because now it doesn't affect my public high school numbers. And I just think that's totally wrong. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that schools are still measured by their graduation rate and other ones graduating, how many are going on to college, it's just, it doesn't help because, you know, what gets measured is what gets done. And so that they should really be balancing that out with, you know, post-graduate, you know, post-graduation education or post-graduate education whether it's going into trades or whether it's going to college, it shouldn't matter. They're going on to do something else. That's what's important. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And I, from all the research I've been doing, I think those winds are going to be changing in the next few years just because of the massive labor shortage that we're still seeing, right? So hopefully we're going to see the education shifting around that in the next few years and you guys already know you're doing the work. You're putting in the work that's going to make the change. And I appreciate every time I hear an organization doing things for the community, doing things to better the youth, doing things to create more avenues for people who aren't college brained, because sitting in a classroom for that much time is not for everybody. It sucked. (laughs) I hated college. You know, I hated going to school and getting through it on the other side. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't have to do that. There's other options, right? So I just thank you guys for putting in the work. Thank you for being there for the next generation. Happy to do it. Definitely. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Trades, Tools, and Talks, a podcast powered by Simpro. I'm your host, Carly Huckles. For more information about Schaffer Beacon Mechanical, check out the links in this podcast episode description. Talk to you next time.